in a world where most Catholics have lost their way and eternal life hangs in the balance. A website arose to face the challenge of our darkest hour. One website with one mission and one desire to restore Catholic tradition, rebuild Catholic culture, and help the faithful prepare for and survive the gathering storm. That website was known only as One Peter Five. But with the forces of darkness and rising expenses gathering on all sides, the cause was destined to falter without your help. Please visit onepeter5.com forward slash donate today and make a tax-deductible contribution. The success of our mission depends on you. Coming soon to a computer near you, this fundraising event is not yet rated. Hello and welcome to the 1 Peter 5 podcast, episode 20. I'm really mad today, and I think it's time we talked about it. Coming up next. You're listening to the One Peter Five Podcast. It is a real joy for us to welcome you all here. Rebuilding Catholic culture, restoring Catholic tradition. Guys, I'm <laughs> I'm really angry right now. I. <laughs> What the hell is wrong with everybody? It's as if there's some sort of mass delusion going on. And I would suspect, based on what I have seen and what I know, that it's diabolical in nature. It's, it's like being the only sober guy at a party, and you look around and everybody's wasted out of their mind, and they're acting like idiots, but they all think everything's normal, because they're all on a par with one another. I don't, (laughs) I'm one guy, okay? One Peter Five has grown so much in the last year that our traffic now, we're at the level where we're getting about 200,000, a little less than 200,000 unique visitors a month. Um, We're coming up on about 4 million page views a year. That's what we're looking at uh, in terms of our traffic. It's It's a significant thing. I mean, we're, we're making some some waves, right? We're we're getting some serious readers. Uh, we're getting the word out there. Great, fantastic. We're alone. We are alone in terms of being more or less a mainstream publication. Of course, we become less and less mainstream every time we point out the obvious things that are going on. Every time, you know, I have been attacked, and, and trust me. Listen, I know if you're listening to this, chances are you're a supporter and my supporters, our supporters, because I cannot take credit for the growth of this website. I work really hard and I do a lot behind the scenes that people don't see, but we have almost 60 writers writing for us and there are some of the best minds uh, I've ever encountered in the Catholic world writing for us. But I am one guy, one, and we are one website. I cannot keep up 
where is the rest of the Catholic media in what's going on? You know, today, <laughs> Rarate Chaley is out there, and, and they're posting pictures of Mo Rocca, who read the first reading at Pope Francis's Mass in Madison Square Garden. He read the first reading, was invited to do so, was in the program. You can download it from the USCCB. He is an openly homosexual man, a leftist, a progressive, who advocates for so-called gay marriage. Rarate has a picture of him standing with two guys at, I don't know, a costume party, a club. They're all in S&M gear, shirtless, hanging out, you know, quasi-pornographic, lots of implication. This is who this guy is. Why is he invited? (laughs) I, I I don't know whether to yell or to cry. Why is he invited to read a reading at a papal mass? Who is in charge of this stuff? Why is it that nobody is covering this? Where are you, EWTN? Where are you, National Catholic Register? Where are you, Pathios Catholic? How about you, uh, Catholic culture? What about all the Catholic media out there? Like, Do we really have to have a Catholic mainstream media conversation like people have been having for, I don't know, the last two decades over the regular mainstream media and their exclusion of conservative stories and values? Catholic mainstream media should be ashamed. And you know what? Church militant, where have you been the last week? In New Zealand? I mean, is that how far you had to run so that you couldn't be honest about what's going on right now during this pontificate? What is happening under the watchful gaze of Pope Francis, the same Pope Francis who has personally invited Cardinal Godfrey Daniels to be a representative at the Synod, despite his open advocacy for gay marriage, despite the fact that he has been reported to have advocated for abortion, despite the fact that he silenced uh, a victim of sexual abuse. Why does someone like that get a vote at the Synod? Why did they get a seat at the table? There's a list. It must be 20 bishops and cardinals deep of these kinds of guys. These guys who are heretics, who hate Christ and his church. They hate him. They hate who he is. You could say, oh, well, it's just, you know, they have their own version of Catholicism that they believe in. I, I don't, I, I don't want to hear it. These guys are jackals. They are the wolves in Acts 20 that Paul warned would come in and mislead the flock. And they have been hand-selected, hand-curated by this pope. This pope who refuses to speak about moral issues when he is speaking to a secular audience. I'm sorry, the environment doesn't have rights. It's not a moral issue. But speak about abortion in front of a legislative body that has been battling over whether or not to defund the largest abortion provider in the world the same week that you show up? God forbid you actually say the word. Mother Teresa said it, what, 20 times when she came? Why is that poor little old nun so much more courageous than the vicar of Christ? I'm sorry, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm furious. I'm furious because I have all these sycophantic morons who literally 
scoff. They scoff at the fact that people are scandalized by what's going on. So far have Catholics fallen from any semblance of of what a Catholic was 50 or 100 years ago, what we believed, what we cared about. Why are we here? Why is this happening? Why is it that LifeSite News, for the first time I've ever seen them do this, and look, they're good in covering the bad guys. They're good in covering the bad bishops. But finally, yesterday, they covered a story about a cardinal from, or bishop, from New Zealand, who's been invited by the Pope to participate in the Synod. And the conclusion that they reached at the end of the article is this, quote, There is very good reason to believe that Cardinal Dew has been appointed to the Ordinary Synod, not despite his heterodox views, but because of them, end quote. Good for you, LifeSite. Honestly, it's time. It's time you stepped up to the plate and admitted the obvious. There is no question under whose guidance these things are happening. And I have gone to the front pages. I have the tabs open right now. Let's see. Um, I go to the National Catholic Register, Catholic World Report, uh, EWTN, Church Militant. Who else should I be looking at? I mean, Crux? No, they're a joke. Pathios Catholic? Let's look at them. They're not. They're a joke too. But let's go ahead and look because I want to see. Like, what are they talking about? You know, do they have anything on there that doesn't make it look like this is the best papal visit ever? Seriously? Every single one of these websites is blowing sunshine up our skirts collectively. They're acting like there's no problem. Everything's fine. Everything the Pope has said is fine. And all the people like us here at 1 Peter 5, at Rorate Chaley, at the remnant, you know, and at all the little <laughs> confederacy of Catholic, actual Catholic blogs. There's a lot of you out there, I know. But collectively, we don't have the media footprint, and we're the ones who are actually speaking the truth. And we're the bad guys. We're the jerks. We're the saviors of the church. Quote, unquote, sarcastically said. We have to save the church from this pope. Yeah, you know what? We kind of do. He's a bad pope, guys. If that hasn't become manifestly obvious to you at this point, uh, how, what, is it, what has to happen to make it clearer? He continuously empowers those people who are enemies of Christ. He gives them a role. He gives them a say. We have this story now about collusion between a number of cardinals, including Cardinal Daniels, to get Pope Benedict out. I mean, I assume it's kind of hard to tell because there's not a lot of detail there, but they were conspiring. Ha ha, in our little mafia club. Ha ha, he laughs. To to oppose Benedict. And then the original stories say, and to get Bergoglio elected. Well, that's an excommunicable offense. It's in Canon 13, 
31, I believe. No, you know what it is? It's the Apostolic Constitution. Canon 1331 talks about, you know, what, what can happen if somebody's excommunicated and can they hold ecclesial office and all that? And no, they can't. But, but it's off the top of my head. I cannot remember the name of the Apostolic Constitution that Pope John Paul II wrote. It was University Domenici Gregis. That's what it is. And there are several paragraphs in there, 79, 81, 82, 83. There's several of them that talk explicitly about collusion, canvassing before a papal conclave. It is expressly forbidden. And if one engages in such, they are automatically excommunicated. Which means, first of all, their votes don't count in the conclave. They can't because they're not valid votes. They've been excommunicated. They cannot participate. It raises additional questions about the validity of the election. And canonists, I think, are going to start agreeing and disagreeing. They're going to start fighting. They're going to start fighting over what the actual import of this is because nobody really knows what to make of it. But evil is coursing through the veins of the church out in the open, out in in the open. They are brazen. They do not care because they do not think they can be stopped. Now, the authors of this biography about Cardinal Daniels, they're backtracking saying, oh, well, we didn't really do, you know, that was an, an error. It was a typo. It was added after the fact. Shut up. Stop lying. Stop lying. He said it on video. You guys think you can just do whatever you want and there will be no consequences for it. But I assure you, there will be. My head is ready to explode. And some people would probably like to see that happen. But we are trying to hold the line. We're trying. And I don't know that we're going to succeed. It's not up to us. And I know that. It's not our job. I mean, it is. In a way, it's our job. It's our job to do the, the job that's not being done by the Catholic mainstream media. What a ridiculous phrase to have to use. What is Catholic mainstream media? There, there shouldn't be mainstream anything about Catholicism. Catholicism is an oppositional religion. It exists as a study in contrast between the spirit of our Lord and the spirit of the world. And who is the Lord of the world? You already know. I'm trying <laughs> to exercise good judgment and prudence. We want to continue to reach people who might not yet be as angry as I am today. But I stayed up until, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning last night just staring at the train wreck. I I cannot believe how many stories I'm seeing coming out that are so blatant. How about this? Let's give you another one. Let's see if I can find it just now. Here's something that Pope Francis said at an interreligious assembly uh, that took place at the World Trade Center Memorial. I'm going to read this. I'm going to quote it. Quote, for all our differences and disagreements, we can live in a world of peace, in opposing every attempt to create a rigid uniformity 
We can and must build unity on the basis of our diversity of languages, cultures, and religions. Unity based on our diversity of languages, cultures, and religions. And lift our voices against everything which would stand in the way of such unity. Together, we are called to say no to every attempt to impose uniformity and yes to a diversity accepted and reconciled. So that was Pope Francis. Here's Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. No, Pope Francis, I resist you, and I would resist you to the face. No, there is no unity in a diversity of religion. No, we are not called to resist this rigid uniformity. (laughs) This imposition of uniformity. The four marks of the church are that it is one. Hey, right there off the bat, unity, holy. Catholic, meaning for all men at all times, not just for the ones who like it, and apostolic. (laughs) That last part is being neglected, too. Actually, really, all four marks of the church have basically been thrown under the bus. We are supposed to go out and convert all nations to Christ. We are supposed to remind people, extra ecclesiam nulla salus, there is no salvation, outside the church. And we can have theological discussions all day long about baptism of desire and those sorts of things. But the only sure path to salvation is to be a baptized member of the Catholic faith who receives the sacraments and lives in a state of grace. That's it. I'm sorry, It's going to be hard for most of us to get to heaven with confession an hour before we die. Getting there is not easy, nor is it assured. I would never hate someone enough to tell them, ah, you should do fine without even having access to the sacramental graces. You'll get there. It is our job to convert. It is our job to unify the mystical body of Christ. It is our job to not to impose unity in the sense of coercion, but to seek out to create unity through conversion. These are <laughs> they're landmines, they're time bombs, they're just going off all around us. There's so many. And it's as if everyone is a zombie. Not I mean, there's some people who, like you and like me, can see this for what it is. What's everybody else doing? I I mean, they're, they're worshiping the Pope instead of God. Father Thomas Rosica called him a Prince of Peace. That title is from Isaiah 9, and it is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. We have this congressman who took the water glass 
that Francis drank out of? And drank out of it and blessed all of his children with it as though it's some sort of, I don't know, talisman? I mean, it wasn't holy water. He drank out of it. People talking about there being rainbows everywhere he goes and it's a sign from God. People are getting creepy about this. Story came out in USA Today just the other day about a miracle, you know, some alleged miracle. Uh, you know, this child who had a congenital heart defect, had holes in her hearts. Francis held her, and next thing you know, her heart healed. And it's like, I don't know if they're going to start his process for canonization before he dies, but I'm thinking it's already well underway. What about the faith? What about the integrity of the church? Damn it, guys. Seriously, damn this stuff to hell. Because that's where it came from. And it needs to make its way back. This is not me losing my faith. And you shouldn't either. Like I wrote about very recently, the image of Christ asleep in the boat is absolutely relevant to what's going on right now. The apostles... (laughs) kind of losing their minds because the storm was getting bad. And Jesus is, the scripture actually says he's asleep on a pillow. He's not just like laying on the floor of the boat. He's comfy, you know, just chilling in the boat. The storm's knocking everything around. They think we're all going to die and he's asleep. So they wake him up and he's mad at them. He's angry. He's angry because why didn't you trust that I was going to take care of things? And then, You know, he gets up and does his thing and says something and then the the storm subsides and the winds die down and they look at each other and they say, who is this man that even the winds and the seas obey him? Well, I'll tell you who he is. He's Christ, the king, the incarnate son of God, the creator of the universe. And when he awakes, when he arises, It will not be meekness that will characterize his intervention. He's angry. He's angry at those who have caused the storm. He's angry at those who have lost their faith in him and in his promises. He's angry at all of us for our sins. He loves us and wants to save us, but like any father who's had to tell a child 15 times in one day to stop stealing cookies, (laughs) we're just going to infantilize this and bring it down to a really common level. There's a level of frustration and anger, and it goes beyond just, yeah, I don't, you stole a cookie, whatever, cookies, not a big deal, but you disobey me again and again and again, and I cannot trust you. You have violated the trust between us that is sacred. You are my child. You are my subject. You owe me your obedience and your respect and you refuse. He is angry. And when he comes, he will not climb up on a cross and allow himself to be victimized. He did it once. And it won't happen again. Next time, things are not going to be so pretty. Not that they were pretty, but for us, I mean. 
And Our Lady has been warning throughout the entire 20th century. The Father is angry, and I cannot hold back his wrath. From Fatima to Akita, the messages have been consistent. He's going to send fire from the sky if we don't get it together. In Akita, in October of 1973, Our Lady said, and I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I will, you know, the Father will send fire from the sky and entire nations will be annihilated and not even the priests or the faithful will be spared and the living will envy the dead. These are the stakes. We are watching mass heresy, apostasy, delusion, distortion, we are watching the very bishops of the church, the successors of the apostles, turn and attack the mystical bride. I just, in my mind's eye, I see their faces warped with this demonic rage for the purity and integrity of the faith. We have to stand. Whatever that means, whatever that takes. We can't allow ourselves to get buried by this stuff. Yeah, I'm mad, and I have a right to be. This is, this is righteous anger. I have a right to be angry because my mother is being abused in my sight. My mother, who I love. And she is being abused by my spiritual father, the Pope. And she's being abused by the shepherds who have been given authority by God to defend her. I'm furious. And you should be too. But anger only gets you so far. It's a starting place, though. St. Augustine famously said hope has two beautiful daughters their names are anger and courage anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain the way they are anger must be converted into action languishing in this fury that i'm feeling and that i know many of you are feeling it's toxic It'll make you doubt. It'll make you question. It'll make it hard for you to pray. It'll make you look askance at Jesus in the boat and say, why aren't you doing anything? Well, guess what? Maybe he's not doing anything because he loves the faithful and he's not looking forward to what the punishment is going to be. Just like a parent who doesn't want to punish their child, but they know they have to. Maybe he's holding back for our sake, for our children's sake. I don't know. What I do know is that I trust him. He will do what needs to be done according to his will and in his own good time. Until then, it's on us to hold the line. That principally happens through prayer. I would particularly commend the rosary, which is the most powerful weapon in our arsenal, the mass which is the highest form of prayer. Confession, because if you are not in a state of grace, you 
will be railroaded because demons are crawling thick upon the face of the earth and they are seducing everyone who isn't prepared to fight them off. Spiritual warfare. I cannot recommend highly enough. Again, I mention it all the time. The society known as the Auxilium Christianorum, which is a group of Catholics and priests, exorcists, who anonymously join this association through their prayers and through their devotions and pray for each other to be delivered from evil. Not just from evil in general, but from demonic influence. These are the weapons that we need. And then we need to have the courage to object. It's, um, it's sort of a weird thing. Because I both care and don't care what people think of me. I mean, I need to do better about diminishing the level of human respect that I have. But it never feels good to be slandered. Never feels good to be maligned or attacked. And it makes you want to defend yourself. It makes you want to prove that you're not this bad person that they say you are. That you're not some self-righteous jerk who just thinks you're more Catholic than the Pope, although that's a low bar right now. But that you actually love, love the faith, love it, and will defend it to the death from enemies, as we say here in the United States, foreign and domestic. And the domestic enemies, the domestic enemies of the church, they have obviated the need for foreign ones. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. I would be willing to bet that you could go back several hundred years and if you could take individuals from those time periods and plant them now, they would say, it's unprecedented. You have to reach all the way back to the Aryan crisis to see anything like this. We have to fight, but we don't know how to fight. The battle is upon us, and we have no generals, at least so few. And even those bishops who have spoken out against what's going on have spoken generally. We have no marching orders. It's chaos, it's confusion, it's pandemonium. And it is now being intermixed with this overwhelming, gushing cult of personality around the man who has made it all possible, who has unleashed these other false shepherds, these, she these wolves in shepherd's clothing, to do their worst. And if you see it, it drives you crazy. And if you don't see it, you look at people like me and wonder what the hell is wrong with us. This isn't about malice. It's not about hate. Oh, I hate the actions of these men. I hate what they are doing to the church. But we are never called to hate, to desire the eternal damnation 
of even the most evil. And it can be very hard emotionally to deal with that because when you see somebody doing evil things, you want them to get what's coming to them. It's human nature. And you have to just find a way to commend them to God. Lord, let your will be done with this, not mine. I don't even know where to begin. There have been times in the past when I've been accused of wishing for the death, praying for the death of this Pope, but I I don't. In fact, I would like to see him finish what he started. Let's bring it out into the open. Let's make very clear the agenda that's in play. Because if we're ever going to get back to real Catholicism, this beast needs to be given birth to. This false church, it's a false version of the church. I'm not saying he's not the Pope. I have no authority to say that. I'm not even saying, wink, wink, I believe he's not the Pope. I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of this, and that's why I thank God that the Holy Spirit was promised to the church, because the church will sort itself out. It will, and it will happen in miraculous and unexpected ways. It's not our job to decide this. It's our job to hold the line. But it's hard. It's extremely hard. It's depressing. It's frustrating. And each new story that comes out showing just this brazen contempt for what is good and what is holy. It's like a lash across the back. And I can't stop thinking of Christ at the scourging. He was thinking of these. These were real scourges that he bore. And this is an opportunity for us, I think, to share in that suffering with him. In a small way. It's a spiritual scourging, but we feel it deeply. How can you not? How can you love Christ and love the church and see what's happening and not just be horrified? Horrified. But it'll be put right. There's a prayer for the Pope. I posted it uh, last October during the Synod. Actually, two prayers. We're going to pray them right now. You can just listen. I'll post a link to these. But I think we need to be praying for him. We need to be praying for God's will that all of this is is to some purpose that he desires. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty and everlasting God, have mercy on thy servant, Francis, our supreme pontiff, 
and direct him according to thy loving kindness in the way of eternal salvation, that with thy help he may ever desire that which is pleasing to thee, that which is pleasing to thee, and accomplish it with all his strength. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer to St. Gregory VII, Pope and Confessor. O invincible defender of Holy Church's freedom, St. Gregory of great renown, by that firmness thou didst show in maintaining the Church's rights against all her enemies, stretch forth from heaven thy mighty arm, we beseech thee, to comfort her and defend her in the fearful battle she must ever wage with the powers of darkness. Do thou, in in an especial manner, give strength in this dread conflict to the venerable pontiff, who has fallen heir not only to thy throne, but likewise to the fearlessness of thy mighty heart. Obtain for him the joy of beholding his holy endeavors crowned by the triumph of the church and the return of the lost sheep into the right path. Grant, finally, that all may understand how vain it is to strive against that faith which has always conquered and is destined to always conquer. This is the victory which overcometh the world, our faith. This is the prayer that we raise to thee with one accord, and we are confident that after thou hast heard our prayers on earth, thou wilt one day call us to stand with thee in heaven before the eternal high priest, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit liveth and reigneth world without end. Amen. Stay strong. Keep praying. Keep the faith. You have been listening to the 1 Peter 5 podcast. This has been a production of 1 Peter 5 Incorporated. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. Please remember to visit us online at www.1peter5.com. That's www.1peter5, all spelled out, all one word, dot com. You can join our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash 1peter5. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash 1peter5. If you feel we've provided you with something of value, please hit our donate page and make a contribution. It not only helps pay for web hosting and the fine content we provide, but keeps food on our tables, coffee in our cups, and the lights on, which really helps us see what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Steve Skojak. Thanks for listening.